Hey, welcome back to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that talks about everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. We're doing another Zoom podcast. We got the exiled Michigander out in Salt Lake with us. How you doing? And we got Josh Coleman joining us uh, from Albuquerque via Zoom. He is a co-author of a new book that just came out um, less than a month ago called The Needle, Finding Heroes, about his uh, experience falling off Crestone Needle and his recovery and his amazing transformation that he's he's kind of done through the mountains. So please welcome Josh to the podcast. Thank you. Very nice to be here. So then walk us through. So you went back to August 2017 was your fall? Yeah, August 13, 2017. Like I said, I, you know, um, I had done the other three traverses. I wanted to do this fourth one. You know, I, I started this journey, I want to say about nine years ago. And it was, it was an obsession, you know, um, it, maybe it was 10 years ago. It, it was all, you know, I, I watched that movie 127 hours with Aaron Ralston, you know, I, um, something that something about that movie grabbed me and I started kind of researching about him and he was known for 14ers and climbing them in the winter and alone. And I'm like, you know, I got to do this. The right, you know, Colorado's right there. Um, but yeah, you know, because of the obsession and wanting to, to, you know, just the love for it, you know, I don't want to just say obsession. I actually have a love for the mountains and, um, you know, everything about it, the athletic ability that you need, you know, you got to stay in shape for them, you know, the views, the nature, it's just, it just caught me and it caught me hard. So, you know, any long weekend that I had, um, even if I didn't have a long weekend, I would drive out there, um, like on a Saturday morning, um, hiking, camp, um, climb on Sunday and come home on Sunday, which is a beating. But, you know, I loved it so much and I would climb a lot of them alone, um, you know, because, you know, I, I had that need to, to, to do them and, and, and be in, and, and, you know, and climb them and experience them. So, um, you know, a lot of them, I, you know, I'd probably say the majority of them I've knocked out alone because of that, because sometimes it's hard to get your climbing partner, you know, or, you know, with schedules and stuff. So, but yeah, you know, just the love for it is, you know, I think the closest, the closest mountain to me is that I've done is like, uh, Chabonneau. And I want to say it's probably about five hours away. So everything else is out, you know. And that's, that's the one you write about in the, in the end of his yeah. book. He writes about, uh, that was the next 14 year you climbed then with Jordan after your accident, right? Yeah, that, that was the first one back. Um, <clears throat> figured we would do the angel. Uh, you know, I wanted, you know, Shabano's, it's, a, it's, as you all know, it's, it's a, it's a trudge. It's, you know, it's not the easiest hike, but I wanted to do, I wanted to do a spring climb. Um, the angel, you know, I wanted to do the angel route, thought that would be good. And, um, it was a good day that day, you know, it took nine months to get back, you know? So that was our first one back. It wasn't easy. Um, mentally it wasn't easy. Um, but you know, it, definitely the mental game is, is, it's gotten a lot easier as time goes, you know, cause I, I did have, still have, and did suffer a lot of PTSD from that fall. So, so the day of the fall, um, just stepping back. So what approach did you do the standard broken hand pass approach to Crestone peak? 
We did. Yeah, we did the broken hand pass. Uh, we camped the night before. Um, you know, I just didn't, you know, again, you know, I, I come from New Mexico that day, you know, the, the night before I, I drove all the way up, you know, it's a tough four wheel drive road, as you all know. Um, you know, the hike ends tough, you know, cause you have a heavy backpack. You got to hike that road. It was a beautiful night. It was a nice electrical storm. Uh, we set up camp, you know, you can see the lightning in the sky. It was just absolutely beautiful. The next day we woke up and I just didn't feel right that day. You know, something was off physically. I didn't feel right. Mentally. I didn't feel right. You know, I'm really confident, you know, um, typically climbing, just didn't feel like I was in shape. And as you know, um, broken hand passes, it's no joke either, you know, to start your hike off that day. It's, um, it's in your face. Here we go. Let's, um, let's go. Let's how's your cardio. How's your endurance? You know, you know, we got to broken hand pass. Um, and then, you know, to get to Crestone Peak, you got to descend and, and you got to lose elevation again. And, you know, and me not feeling right, but, you know, I had two things going. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel right physically and mentally, but I had this a strong need to, to finish the, the traverse. Um, you know, we went up Crestone Peak and what I probably should have done that day is I should have quit and just go, and gone back and, and, head back to camp with, with Jordan. Um, if I, my climbing partner, his name is Jordan Harris. Um, if I, if I would have told him, Hey Jordan, I'm not feeling right. He'd be like, cool, man, let's just go back to camp, you know? Um, but no, we, we pushed on, you know, when you're in that traverse and you've got that exposure, the adrenaline's going. So I didn't really feel like I was too tired. You know, I just was in the moment. That's one of the great things about being in the mountains too, especially in some danger situations is it forces you to be present. You know, I mean, you are, there's no thoughts, you are focused exactly. And there's a, a peace of mind to that. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, I get a high off of it. Um, <clears throat> when we got to Crestone Peak, um, I called my wife. I typically call her on the summits because that's typically when you get some cell phone range. I told her, I said, uh, you know, my plan was, my original plan was to descend and pack up and go home. And I said, I'm not coming home. Um, I'm going to, you know, stay another night. Cause I was, I was really tired. And as we were, um, descending, you know, I don't know if you, did y'all ever see that sign? You know, when you prior to doing Cresto needle, Hey, you know, beware of which coolar or which goalie you go down. Because, yeah. You know, um, but for some reason that day we got uh, sucked into the, the wrong gully. And um, I'd say about 200 feet below the summit, I, I realized that we were not in the right, we both realized that we were, were not in the right position. We weren't in the right area. Um, but, you know, I was tired. I did, you know, what we should have done is probably reversed and gone and summited again and redid it. But I was beat and Jordan, my climbing partner, he is a freak of nature, athletic, um, phenomenon, you know, and, um, you know, he doesn't, he didn't need to think of that cause he, he was, he's in such great shape and, you know, he, and we're both good at climbing. Um, you know, the rock is solid. So I'm figuring if we just corkscrew the mountain, we'll end up getting to where we need to be, you know, cause we know, you know, where we need to go. 
And, you know, we, he went down before me. He was about 200 feet below me, and I stayed up, and then we're corkscrewing the mountain just to try to get back on track. You know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a little bit of panic during that time because we were in some bad, steep, just not much holds, very careful type of, of climbing, you know, not where I'm going. You know, I'm facing the rock at this time and going this way because you kind of have to rock climb out of where we were at. And all of a sudden, I, um, I, I think what happened was I just went to step and my, my foot slipped or a rock dislodged and um, I shot down and I'm telling you, it was just uncontrollable. I had never experienced lack of control like that in my life. And as I'm going down, um, you know, it's, I'm still attached to the mountain and I'm trying to stop and I'm holding on to things and I'm, I'm grabbing at things and, and I'm just shooting down and I just, it was, it was rough. It was like a, just a rough ride. And then all of a sudden I dislodge from the mountain and I'm free falling at this time. And, um, at this, you know, I'm screaming on the way down. Um, I'm screaming and it, it got to the point where it, it just didn't never seem like it would stop, you know? And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, God, please knock me out. Cause I don't want to feel this. Cause I, I know what can happen in mountains, you, you know, bones, you get bodies get twisted and, and I'm going down and I'm thinking of my family and, you know, just, it was a horrible, horrible, frightening feeling. And when I landed, I landed on a ledge. Um, say about you know four by six about the size of your dinner table and I landed and the first and I knew when I landed something was immediately wrong but you know I kind of did a quick assessment I'm, you know I had a helmet I'm thinking okay my head I'm thinking of my face I'm thinking of my neck can I move things I knew that my leg was messed up you know and I'm thinking and when I hit it it felt like you know it was like a Mack truck boom you know and you know just violent and then um i looked down at my leg and you know i noticed this bone sticking out of my leg and it, the fear kind of transferred from the fall because and then you know i knew where i was at i knew that you know the steepness um and i knew that if i moved at all my my foot would like kind of wobble like this like as if it was just <laughs> hanging on my leg and and I knew that there was no way that I could scoot down or take my time and get down. It just, it was impossible. Now, I didn't know exactly what was wrong with my leg. I thought it was broken and the bone came out. But what happened was, is it was a dislocation in the tibia bone forced out of my, my leg. So it was my tibia bone that was out, um, kind of near where my ankle was. And it forced my foot to like a 90 degree angle. So, um, you know, I'm screaming and, you know, it, the pain's not too bad at that time because, you know, you've got the adrenaline rush and, you know, you're just, I, you know, you, you, you know, I would think, you know, you would think that, Hey, you, you're thankful to be alive at that time, but there wasn't that because the fear was so immense on how am I going to get off this mountain now, you know? And so I was screaming to my uh, climbing partner. He ended up getting to me. And my wife, um, about a year and a half ago, bought me, or a year ago, bought me this Garmin device. Um, 
because, you know, I climb alone. And if I get in situations like that, I can press an SOS button. So I started pressing the button, but the device had broken on the way down because I kind of carry it like here. And, and somehow it broke on the way down. So anyways, we had cell phone coverage. Um, it took us a while to figure out, hey, you know, let's check the cell phones because you typically you don't think you're going to have cell phone coverage below the summit. You know, very, very rare. You guys know that. And uh, luckily we had cell phone coverage that day and it was, it was good cell phone coverage. And uh, we called 911. Um, they said they, they were going to send two search and rescue teams, one on the ground, and they were going to send one in a, in a helicopter. Okay. Well, about an hour after um, they did that, one of the worst storms I had ever been in came and we we're at 13,600 feet and I'm telling you it was lightning on top of us and thunder to the point where it almost I mean it's just it was deafening and uh, it was almost amusing at that point because you know we're exposed and there's no tree line and we're exposed and we're seeing this I look over to my I look over to Jordan I said Jordan <laughs> I guess this is how it's gonna end and you know we kind of kind of laughed at it a little bit and then hail came rain came but Jordan, you know, if there was any person that I needed that day um, to be with me, it was Jordan. The way, the, you know, the optimism that this man has, the innovation, the fact that he carries so much um, in his backpack that we would, ma- that we would make fun of. Um, you know, Do you have a nickname for that? Danny DeVito. <laughs> you know, he had everything. You know, there was a fear that I was, you know, I thought Jordan at one time would, would leave me on that mountain, not to leave me, but to go get help. And let me tell you something, when, when you're in, the, in my situation, that was a humongous fear because there's no way I could be in that situation mentally where I was at and not have somebody with me. And he stuck with me. And he says, I'm going to be with you. We're going to get out of this. And the optimism that he had was in what, you know, he kept me going. Um, You know, the whole, I was out there, the whole thing was about eight hours. But to me, it felt like the whole thing was about two hours because I was passing in and out of consciousness. I'd pass out. I'd, I'd wake up. The first thing I would do is, hey, Jordan, you know, how's the blood? How's the blood? Because I was bleeding. It wouldn't stop. It just kept bleeding, drip, drip, drip. And it was everywhere. And, you know, he put a tourniquet around my kind of near my ankle area. It kind of helped slow the bleeding. But, you know, I'd wake up and still, you know, the blood. And that, that's what really got to me. Um, because it's like you only have a certain amount of blood in your body. And then the the immense pain because adrenaline runs off and then I'd wake up and the pain would just be undescribable, you know, but, um, you know, he took care of everything. He, he was on the phone with search and rescue. Uh, we had painkillers, um, in our backpack, <laughs> but the search and rescue said, don't give them any painkillers because you know, I guess they, they, they don't want to do that because, you know, they knew I was going to have to go to the hospital. They knew I was going to have to have surgery. They didn't want to cause any confusion with that. So here we are, you know, Danny DeVito had, had a painkiller. So we can, What's that? Isn't that like mentally tough when you're there writhing in pain and then, you know, there's good pain meds right next to you? 
Right next to, I know, I know, and good pain meds too, you know, the ones that, you know, he had saved from, he had some knee surgeries and, you know, those kind of pain meds and <laughs> I couldn't have them. I could have a little bit of water. Yeah. Through that, I'd be like, give me the Percocet. I know. <laughs> oh, God damn it. No. So, you know, the storm, the, the storm delayed everything. And now you're getting to the point because you know, you know, your, you know, your situation you know, and I would look up and I'm like, you know what, if a helicopter does come in, I don't know how they're going to get to us because we were so tight in that mountains in such a, a tough area. And I knew that there was no way that anybody could climb up to us because the mountain was now wet. It had hail all over it. So I knew there was no way that anybody could get to us and climb to us. But around, um, you know, around six o'clock, uh, we get a phone call and I remember it. Well, prior to that, I actually called my wife and there are two reasons I did this. I, I called her. I said, Leilani, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it. You know, we talked a little bit and I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't think, I thought I was going to have to be there the night I was going to bleed out or I was either going to do that or I was going to toss myself off the mountain because I couldn't, I couldn't handle the pain anymore. It was just excruciating, you know, and there was a time that the search and rescue had told Jordan, Jordan, man, you got to cover the bone. You know, the bone has been exposed for too long. You need to cover the bone. And he, you know, he had a bivy. I was in a bivy sack that he, he had, but the sack that the bivy goes in is he tried to, yeah, he actually put it on the bone and grabbed the bone and tried to tape it. It was just, it was crazy. But I had uh, called my wife. I said, I said, honey, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it. I really felt I didn't, wasn't going to make it. But I also, there was a piece of me that kind of wanted her to have a little bit of panic because I knew that she would relay that with the search and rescue. And, and let me tell you something, the search and rescue, Vail Mountain Rescue, um, Custer County Rescue, the, the National Guard, they were on it. They were on it. And the, the only issue was is that they couldn't go in the weather. You know, just impossible. But, you know, I was hoping that Leilani would, you know, give a little bit more um, sense of urgency to them, um, even though they didn't need it. Um, I think it was more on my part. I was panicking um, because I knew that the sun was going to go down pretty soon. And I just, I, it felt hopeless. But around six o'clock, we get a call. We're sitting on the ledge and we get in and they said, okay, um, you're going to see a Black Hawk out. To, we're, we're facing Cottonwood Lake. I don't know if y'all remember that lake, but we're, th th that was our view. And by the way, there were moments where I would wake up and, and Jordan and I would be sitting, at this time, we'd be sitting with each other, you know, very, very cold, even though it was in August, you know, after the rain, you know, we're wet and, this, you know, the sun's going down and we were very cold, but we would be huddled up against each other and we'd be looking at the lake and just, and I remember telling them, hey, it's, isn't this beautiful? Look at all the white. It covered the mountain was white, you know, from the hail. And I'm like, God, it's just beautiful. And so there were good moments in there as well. But they said, you know, around six o'clock, they said in about 45 minutes, you're going to see a black hawk off to your right, um, coming from your right. And I think it was about 6.30 and we started hearing it. <laughs> we see it off to the right and I'm feeling good. Um, you know, I'm excited. He's excited. But there was still a little bit of doubt on, you know, how they can get to us, you know. 
and they came by and, you know, um, and they made a few passes back and forth and, you know, they, 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 they would go over us and then they would leave. And I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> you know, don't leave. And they would come back, you know, and make another pass. It took them a while to kind of hone in on us and see us. And then at that time, you know, Jordan's waving a yellow and Danny DeVito around. Um, I've got a light, you know, I'm trying to flash on them. We're yelling, we're screaming. And all of a sudden, boom, they kind of stop. And then they come and they hover right above us. And a Blackhawk is like a tank in the sky. I mean, it's loud. It's, um, it's an awesome piece of machinery. And they hover above us. And I, and I remember looking up, you know, I do this. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, the, the propellers, you know, um, the Vail Mountain Rescue Group member said there was probably about 15 feet away from the mountain, just, you know, close to the rock. And, but out comes this man, and um, he comes out, he's in this red jacket, and he's on this rope, and he's on this, there's like this, it's called a jungle penetrator. Um, and kind of device and I didn't know what that was but and I'm watching him and I'm thinking oh my god this guy is superhuman I mean I really thought that this guy was superhuman I couldn't believe the confidence that I, I the energy that he was given the intense uh, concentration because as he's being lowered down far he started kind of bouncing off the rocks because you know, trying to get a hold on something I was, I was viewing something wonderful at that time. Um, you know, I'm viewing a person who was truly altruistic, altruistic, um, giving his life for somebody that he doesn't know. Um, you know, that whole crew up there, you know, one slight win, uh, you know, could, could have thrown them into the mountain. These people don't know me and they're trying to save me. And here I am adventuring love, you know, experiencing nature it was something happened you know in me in my mind you know there was a little bit you know i don't know I, you know i maybe i had you know i was down on humans for a little while you know there's a lot of negativity that you see you hear you know but this guy kind of this group restored you know what there are good people out there and there are amazing people out there and uh anyways he ended up coming down and he finally got to me and I couldn't move. Um, and he says, just do the best you can. Try to scoot onto this thing, which was like this board. It was like a T and it was like a board where I would sit in and he would get in the back of me and just grab me and had a rope around my chest huh. and I would on it and, and up we go. And about halfway up, I couldn't breathe. I, I didn't know what happened. I couldn't breathe. And I'm going up into the Blackhawk, you know, we're at 13,600, 700 feet or so. And I couldn't breathe. But come to find out, I had slipped out of that, that device and the rope had kind of caught me. And he was like doing this, you know, bear hugging me. And that's why I couldn't breathe. And I, I didn't care. I knew I was going up in the Blackhawk. I get up in the Blackhawk and I kind of get into a fetal position. And um, anyways, they they sat me down and there was a paramedic on board. Um, by the way, this rest, the rescue group on the Blackhawk, I don't know if I mentioned this before, it was Vail Mountain Rescue. And uh, the, the paramedic was a Vail Mountain Rescue. He was a paramedic, but 
volunteered with Vail Mountain Rescue and he got me going, kind of got the oxygen and, you know, he was trying to get a vein, he was trying to get an IV going in me, um, just kind of getting me situated. Uh, the other gentleman was with Vail Mountain Rescue. His name is Scott Beebe, lives in Vail. He's a reverend, um, just a fantastic non-ego type person, just a beautiful, beautiful soul. And he went down and got Jordan and got us up. And, and then we, you know, we flew to the, the first trailhead where there was flight for life there. Um, tell you a quick story. And, you know, we, they, they get me out of the Blackhawk. I couldn't move. I couldn't even really hold on. I just had no strength whatsoever. They get me on a stretcher. They, you know, take stuff off. You know, they, they shoot me up with painkillers. They get me in the flight for life. And I'm on a stretcher in that helicopter heading to Pueblo. That was one of the most amazing rides I've ever had. First of all, I knew I was safe. I knew my wife knew where I was going. I knew I was going to live. I thought I was going to lose my, my leg, my foot, you know, at least my foot or, or below the knee. Um, because at that time I had two tourniquets. I had one above the knee and one below or one by the ankle. But they had shot me with painkillers and, you know, we're going through the mountains and it was just, I'm feeling good for one, you know, and, you know, I got this guy in the back. He's kind of massaging my shoulders just to make sure I'm kind of coherent, you know, because they gave me a lot of painkillers. They wanted to kind of, you know, just still alive. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the journey. I know there's more details in my book about it, but, um, you know, more emotions and, and things like that. But that's kind of the story of that. So the, the second helicopter was near the, like the summer, tra- the winter trailhead, like down by. Yeah. Gotcha. Waiting for us there. Um, and it was a, fl- a flight for life. And guys, let me tell you something. Um, you know, I, I think you, you know, I think the majority of people who, who do these things, they know this, but it, it's important that they actually realize it and, and really know it. There was no cost to me with that Blackhawk and all of that, uh, with the rescue, uh, that's, you know, those rescues are free. Um, you know, and it's all, you know, they, it's all through donations, um, you know, so that they can have the, the supplies and the tools to do rescues like that. You know, no cost at all, which is amazing. That's really, it's pretty awesome that it, there's no cost for that. I mean, really speaks volumes to the mountain rescue folks. I wanted to go back to this ledge that you were on. Um, what was be- what was below the ledge? Was it just sheer drop off, or was it about the same level of steepness? It was. It was so. It was like a sheer drop off to the right and to the left. And and so there were times where you know, in in it wasn't like this flat ledge either. There was it was rocky. And there was no comfortable position. And there was times that Jordan had to kind of force himself up into me and where he had to use his weight to keep me on the ledge properly. You know, I'm passing out. I fall fall over. over, You know. Wow. Your description of of falling, I mean, so I hate falling. (laughs) <laughs> sucks even when i'm on top rope like climbing something really easy right like 
a three inch top rope fall to me scares the hell out of me. Yeah. So I can't imagine just free falling as far as you did, but that, you know, when you talk about like all these thoughts that roll through your mind, like, yeah. Uh, well, it seems it, like it was like 15 seconds of thought, but the fall couldn't have lasted more than like, you know, two seconds probably. Well, it was, it was about a hundred foot fall. Remember half of it, about 50 feet of it, I was still attached to the mound, but I wasn't in a complete free fall. Can you just scrape your, which I had lost all my fingertips going down, by the way. I mean, they, it went, you know, to the bone area and, and it was just, oh. wow. All of them, you know, even the pinky, it was, it was amazing. And it was, anyways, it, that took a while to heal. But um, yeah, you don't really think, you know, you don't, you know, I wasn't feeling the, the fall, you know, how you get that, that free fall type feeling. It was more just a, a, a terror, you know, cause you know, there's 1500 feet below you, you know, and it just was, it was horrifying. It was terrifying. Um, you know, that was the one thing, you know, when I finally got out of the hospital with the PTSD, you know, at night before I, you know, when I shut my eyes, that was the one thing that, you know, I had to kind of relive over and over and over. You know, it was, it was a difficult thing for sure. And then you got, you did get an infection, right? That was one of the harder parts. Yeah. So the recovery, you know, you know, my thought was this, okay. First of all, I didn't want to leave the hospital, you know, cause I just went through this traumatic experience. When I got to the hospital, I had to kind of have another traumatic experience because the orthopedic who was, what I was told the best orthopedic in that hospital, he came, he comes up to me and he says, Josh, can you feel this on your foot? I said, no. He says, can you move your toes? I said, no. He says, Josh, I think your foot is dying. I'm going to have to kind of do an emergency. If you want your foot, we're going to have to do something right now to, to see if we can get the blood flowing. He says, but to do this, um, you know, we're going to induce you with some painkillers. Um, we're going to do it right here in the emergency room. Um, and there's risk to doing that. You, it could cause a heart attack, you know, you know, even though they give you painkillers and they really get you, you still kind of feel it. And the, the shock of it could, you know, cause cardiac arrest. And I, and I looked at him, can I cuss on here? Oh yeah. I said this, I looked at him. I said, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> after what I just went through. You're telling me this and you want me to sign this piece of paper. He says, if you want your foot, this is what, you know, we got to do it. So I signed the paper. They, they, uh, I don't know what they did. I, you know, everything is kind of a blur, but you know, I can kind of still, I felt them. It was a horrendous pain, even though I was in the, the under the, under the painkillers, they put my foot back into place. Anyways, after, you know, they took me into surgery afterwards and, um, I was in the hospital for five days and I didn't want to leave. Uh, my wife was there. She was right by my side the whole time. My kids were there for the first two nights. You know, I'm getting pampered. You know, the nurses are coming in, you know, every couple hours. Um, you know, I felt safe. I just didn't want to leave that hospital. It, you know, the PTSD was starting to roll. But what I thought was, is, you know, after this, after I left, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to recover. But my ultimate thought was, I'm going to, I need to get back to climbing. I got to climb. This is who I am. I'm a mountaineer. I'll, you know, I, you know, I'm going to go to South America next. You know, that was my, kind of my plan. You know, I'd been to Mexico, did Pico de Orizaba, climbed a little bit in California, but prior to me falling on Cresto Needle, my 
thing was is when I got back from that climb, I was going to sign up with Mountain Madness to go do Chimborazo in um, Ecuador. Ecuador, yeah. Um, so, you know, I had all these plans. And so my thought was, okay, let's, let's go, let's go, you know, uh, I'm just going to heal and then I'm going to get back to climbing. But I didn't, I didn't know that I would climb again. And, you know, when my wife came and saw me for, you know, that evening, when I woke up finally, um, well, when I woke up from surgery, she was there. And the first thing I said to her is, I don't think I'm going to ever climb again. She said, no, you'll climb again. Huh there were some things that I felt like had to happen to me. Um, you know, I was, you know, I got home, I was an emotional mess. You know, I, I couldn't sleep well at night, you know, I'm reliving it. I had a lot of anxiety, um, had a lot of uh, kind of depression. I was crying a lot, you know, I would feel good. And then all of a sudden I would just start crying. Um, you know, my wife would take me to the, I had to go to the orthopedic, um, couple times a week to get things had, you know, to, so he could work on my foot and I'd be afraid to get in the car. Um, so I was filled with fear. And then, um, what happened was, um, you know, my, my foot was healing, but it was not healing fast enough for me. Cause I wanted to get back into the gym. I wanted to get in shape. And then I noticed that after they took the X, the, the, the fixator rods out of my shin, which were these metal rods and they put me in a cast. And then after the cast, I was put into a boot and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm still messed up in the mind, but I'm still physically, I'm getting better. I can, you know, see some improvement with my leg. I noticed that there was pus coming out of my shin. And, um, so we had to go in for surgery and do kind of like a little bone graft. And I ended up having a bone infection. <clears throat> and a bone infection is not a good thing because then you have to have like six weeks of antibiotics and they, they, they put a pick line in my, my arm that, um, so that I could have antibiotics fed into me for six weeks, 24 hours a day. Well, that ended up, I ended up getting a blood clot in my arm. <laughs> um, so they had to pull that out and then I had to go to the, I had to go to the hospital every day to get infused with antibiotics. So every morning I had to go get up and, and, and go and do that. Um, anyways, there was, a, there was a series of things that happened that needed to happen to me. And at the time when it was happening, um, I was angry about it all because um, I just wanted to get back to climbing. I wanted to be able to climb and tell people, you know, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, here's my, you know, my story about climbing. My whole identity at that time was climbing. And what happened was the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD, the, the blood clot. I ended up getting a, a gut infection from the antibiotics because it wiped out all the good bacteria in my gut, and the, which allowed the bad bacteria to overtake. So I had to take more antibiotics. You know, my wife ended up... Um, she ended up getting breast cancer. Um, I ended up, there was a shooting at my work. So there was just, my mom died, you know, all this took place within about 18 months. But what happened was, is it, it broke me. Um, it, it, it shattered my, what I thought was my identity as a mountaineer. And what it made me do is it made me look within to find out who I really am. Okay. And there were some things that I did, you know, you know, I had to, 
kind of reach out and, and, and figure things out. And, you know, I, I, you know, looked up some spiritual things and anyways, I, you know, by doing some of the practices, you know, there was a little bit of space that opened up within me. There was an awareness and, you know, I, you know, I started to realize, you know what, Josh, there's more to you than just a, you know, as a mountaineer or, you know, your job title or a husband or a father, you are much deeper than all these outside views of what you think you are, you know, and, and then like today, I'm totally grateful for it all because, you know, I still climb mountains, but I do it differently now. You know, I went back a couple of weeks ago for the first time. I went back to do, I went to do Humboldt. Had never on that mountain before, but I wanted to go, I wanted to go alone. Um, I went, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to see the crest stones again and I wanted to face them and I wanted to see them. And, you know, when I was climbing before the ultimate goal was to summit and it was to get on the summit, which is a bonus. It's, it's beautiful. And I love it, but that was, I would miss everything to get on the summit and, you know, I would, um, you know, these dangers, I, I, I love the traverses. I love, you know, some of the, the dangers in it because what it would do is, is I can come home and I could tell people about it that would, you know, you know, say, hey, look what I did, show them pictures, you know, I, I did this, you know, to build kind of my ego shell. But back to Humboldt and, and all that was for me was wrong. You know, even back then I had a love for nature and all of that, but I would miss a lot of it because of this obsession to get on the, on the summit and do all these things. But, you know, I, I went to Humboldt, I summited Humboldt, but the best part of that climb was, you know, I started from the trailhead, I think it's like a 10, 11 mile day, is the last, the last two miles, you know, you know, that road that you hike up, um, you know, my mind was quiet. Um, I'm listening to the birds. I'm listening to the stream. I'm feeling the warmth of the sun. I'm feeling the wind. And then I'm noticing all these little flowers, you know, these bright yellow flowers, these bright, you know, uh, white flowers. And I'm noticing butterflies going in and out of them and the bees coming in. And, and, and all of this is happening. And I felt like as I was one with nature. And that was the best part of that day because. I felt everything. I felt nature. I felt, I felt it all. And, you know, I didn't miss it. And I got to see the crest stones. And, you know, when I climbed, I was at, I climbed the crest stones twice, but I never saw the beauty of the crest stones as I did that day because I was aware of it. You know, I still want to complete the 14ers, um, but it's not, you know, it's not like I have to, it's not like I need to come home and, 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 and tell people about it. It's for me to be in nature and, and to be aware of nature. And then you kind of, and so Sean hasn't read the book, but he starts out with summit fever in the first couple of chapters. He tells a really funny anecdote about his then not yeah. wife yet and ditching her off to get summit fever. But then he concludes with this, this great quote. He says, summoning that day felt different. This is after, he's just summoning Shivano after, with Jordan again after his recovery. He said, summoning yeah. that day felt different too. I wasn't a summit junkie getting his fix to get rid of summit fever. Instead, yeah. I felt a soothing to my soul as I peered out from the top of Mount Shivano. And I thought that was really cool. Instead of getting, I like the metaphor of getting the fix. And then yeah. you miss the awareness of the moment, as you say, in the one chapter. But now you've kind of transformed. 
you know, it, with this book, guys, you know, <clears throat> the reason I wrote this book, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, anytime Jordan and I would tell the story, people would say, you got you to gotta write a book about it. You got you to gotta tell the story. But what I wanted to do, and I think this is the most important, is I wanted to bring awareness to the good people that are in our lives. And I got, you know, I've said this before and I say it all the time, I got a front row seat to see how good humanity is. And I got it that day on Crestone Needle. You know, I, I w- I've been thinking, you know, prior to this podcast, you know, a lot of people, especially now with this, the COVID deal, they're using nature to escape. Um, they're using nature to get away uh, because it's healing. Um, it's healing for many people. Think about this, guys. Who are the nicest people that you see? And it's on your hikes. People say hi to you. They want to talk with you. They're, everybody seems to be one. There's no judgment. Um, you know, these hikes and these climbs and people getting into nature is a beautiful thing because it's very, very healing. And then you've got these search and rescue groups that allow us to be able to do those things. Okay. And I really believe that we need to be able to do those things. And we have that backup from search and rescues who are these amazing groups who volunteer, who help the summit junkie on that day, you know, (laughs) but also help the people that are trying to get into nature to, to experience and to to just be as one with, with nature. And it, you know, we need that. So, uh, you know, this book is to bring awareness to um, the search and rescue groups. Um, you know, at first I ran a promotion when I, in this first release that I would get 50% of the proceeds to the search and rescue. For the past um, two to three weeks, I've been given 100% of the proceeds um, to search and rescue groups. Tomorrow I'm going to either tomorrow or Tuesday, I'm going to announce to the group Colorado 14ers and 13ers because I ran, I ran a post saying that if you buy my book, I will give 100% of the proceeds to uh, search and rescues, but I'm going to post exactly how many books I sold during that time and what that equates to because I want people to know that when I say that I'm going to do that, it's for real on this because, I, you know, Sometimes, you know, people will think, you know, well, maybe he's just trying to sell his book or get it out there. No, I'm actually trying to raise money for these search and rescues. And I'm going to send this check to um, Custer County. I sent a previous check to Vail Mountain Rescue. And I'm going to do various ones to probably throughout the country. But that's the reason why I wrote the book. And how long did it take as a, as a trying to someone else is trying to write a book myself? How, how long did it take? And how do you, well, you know, you know, my book's easy. It, my book's an easy read for one. It's got, it's got a couple words per page. So <laughs> couple of no. um, first of all, I didn't write it. Um, there's no way I could write it. Um, at my job, um, we have an internship and um, Ryan Mayer, who was an intern uh, last summer, he, you know, he came into my office and I met with him. He said, you know, didn't know me, didn't know my story. I'm talking to him and he says he had written a couple books and I told him about my story. I said, you know, maybe you could write my story. He said he'd be interested in it, but it took about eight months uh, for him to do it. The way he did it was, is 
he would write a chapter. He would email it to me. I'd sit with my wife and we would read it. And it was extremely healing. Every chapter I we huh. crossed together, but we would make adjustments. It was very important to me that this book was, is brutally honest. You know, I you know, wanted people to know me and my insecurities and some of my defects. I wanted them to know what it was like that day. You know, I didn't want it to be a long, drawn-out read. I wanted it to be kind of short and precise. And he did a f- fantastic job on, 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 on doing all that, you know, being my voice um, with my emotions and all of that, and actually understanding on, on what I was trying, the message that I was trying to, to, to present. So eight months. It took about eight months. Okay. And when did you start? Um, let's see. We started, uh, we actually started in October. And uh, the first thing, you know, he interviewed me. And then we went to Vail and uh, met with the, the guys at Vail Mountain Rescue. He interviewed my climbing partner. He interviewed my wife. He did a lot of interviews, a lot of recorded um, interviews. And uh, he put out an outline. He's, he knows how to write. Uh, my daughter-in-law is an editor. So that, that made it easy. And she did a great job on editing the book. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not a hard process. Um, if you self publish, you know, it's Amazon's a pretty easy way to, you know, you can do it through Amazon. It's pretty easy. And it only, it's only been out for about like a month and a half now. It's uh, not even a month. It'll be month, uh, at the end of this week. So we're doing pretty good, you know, and, you know, I've been trying to get it. I've been trying to post it on certain groups. Certain groups do allow me to do it. Certain groups don't allow it because they don't want any promotion and that's fine. I totally get it um, and understand why they, why they do it. The ones that are allowing me to post and the ones that are actually uh, buying the book, the, my royalties are, are going to help the rescue groups, which in turn will help them. That's cool. So you get like an email every day to see how many like people have bought your book for the day or. Yeah. So I go on Amazon, Amazon and it doesn't show you how many has bought the book, but it shows you how many is shipped. And that's how, how you kind of tell you can run a report, but it only shows you what's shipped. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And so it's self-published through Amazon services. Yeah. But huh. you know, if you, if you do that, you got to work it, you know, you know, first it was family and friends and then, you know, things like this, I'm very grateful for you guys for, for reaching out and asking me to do this because the more that I can spread the message, uh, it's exactly what I want to do is, is spread the message. Um, so, and, and bring awareness, you know, of, of search and rescues and also just heroes in our lives. You know? that's, yeah, that's a subtitle too, Sean's Finding Heroes. Yeah. The, the Needle. The book is The Needle, Finding Heroes. So you don't have too many 14ers left. Which ones do you have left? Um, I've got Longs. I've got uh, Snowmass. I've got Castle Conundrum. Uh, San Luis. Culebra. I'm trying to think. Oh, um, I need to go to Chicago Basin and do – I've only done one there. I did Sunlight, but we need to do Wyndham and Ulysses. And oh, Evans, I need to do Evans. So, I'd love to go back to the Chicago Basin with you. I would love to do that. You know, and the thing, the, the 
the, I don't think the train is running though. Not this year. But I'm serious. Um, you know, friend me on Facebook and I would love, love to do that. Um, yeah. So, so coming back. So, I mean, this is, I can't imagine the trauma that you went through. And I, I, sometimes when I like, I took a fall skiing this year, pretty minor fall, right? I took a fall skiing this year and, and for probably three weeks I had these dreams about falling when I was skiing, right? Yeah. So I can't imagine what you went through with this sort of major catastrophe. Going back and trying to climb 14ers again, like, is there like a, a massive anxiety or is it, did you just put it past you? Like, how do you deal with that? Okay. So, um, at, at Shibano, there was some massive anxiety. There was some, some very great moments, but there was also some massive anxiety. Um, so yes, uh, to answer your question, it, it, I, I've had massive, so I have had massive anxiety in mountains. I can tell you like the second mountain coming back, my, uh, Jordan and I, we went and did, uh, Harvard and we were starting the, I guess the traverse to Columbia and a storm came in. We did that last weekend, actually. Did y'all? Yeah. Did it's you do the traverse? traverse? Yeah. It's a long, it's like a three It, it is. I turned around. I couldn't handle it mentally. I was having, I was having panic attacks up there. Storms coming in. Uh, Jordan was with, I said, Jordan, I can go back. You know, Harvard's easy. I can hike down and I'll be there. I'll wait for you. But he ended up doing the traverse. Um, so yeah, it's been real hard. I actually texted Jordan today because, um, Jordan has done a lot of the mountains, but there's still some that he hasn't done. And there's, there's some that he wants to experience that he needs a climbing partner with. And I told him um, today, I actually texted him today, I said, think of a, of a challenging 14er that we can do in September. So um, there are still, I think there's probably, you know, I, I'm not going to do capital in September. I don't think mentally I'm ready for capital. You know, I don't know that I would do Little Bear and Blanca, but, you know, if he, you know, so we'll see what he comes up with, but I, I want to see, you know, we'll see what happens. And if I, if I can't get back to it, that's okay. As long, you know, as long as I'm out there, you know, looking at him, <laughs> you know, I'm okay with it. Well, this was awesome talking with you. I mean, so inspiring and just, yeah, your story is amazing, but just getting back on the horse, I think is that's that's even cooler that you were able to just move forward with that and work through some of your demons and but also like the personal growth that you got out of this is pretty amazing so and any details at all and like a third of the book is as part of that kind of from the trough yeah. kind of back up the back up the mountain and this kind of transformation so you gotta get the book yeah i'm looking forward to reading the book it's you know it's funny when you when you leave colorado you're kind of in some ways out of the the um the radar zone, right? So I, I hear about 14 or stuff now when I'm living in Utah through, through uh, Stifler and my other friends. So, yeah. So Stifler was like last week, he was like, yeah, there's a new book. I just got it. Or two weeks ago, I guess he said that. So said, yeah, you should, you're going to have to check it out. I was like, oh, I haven't even heard of it. But So, uh, so what's the closest one to you? Would it be Sneffels? Uh, geographically, yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. Anytime you want to go, I would love to go. Usually, you know, the elk range are the ones that you know anything in the in the elk range or even the San Juans. Yeah. You know, it's usually like that's that's a 
six, seven hour drive, which isn't too bad. So well, if you want to do castle conundrum next spring, hey, let, I, that's on my list to do next, that as a yeah. snow climb. So, yeah, that would, that would be awesome. I, I would do that. So just to kind of tell you how I changed, you know, I went to Utah this weekend and I, I brought my backpack and I brought my, my supplies, you know, like my hiking gear and stuff. I wanted to do Mount Nebo. I don't know if you've heard of Mount yeah, Nebo. Yeah. Great, great climb. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to do it. But and I had time to do it, but my wife said, "You know what? You know, I just want you to hang out with us, hang out with the in-laws." And I hung out with them and the in-laws. You know, where before it'd be like, "No, I'm doing it." You know, I'll see you later. You know, very <laughs> centered. You know, and I and it was just cool to hang out with them. You know, it's okay. I don't have to do it. You know, it's okay. You know, so it's that awareness of the moment that you talk about in the book. Yeah. And I just try not to be selfish and self-centered anymore. You know, I would put, I would put my climbs in front of everything at times. And, you know, obviously I put it in front of my wife, you, you know, on, on chapter, the summit fever chapter. And, um, it's not, it's just, it's not worth it, you know? So. He does redeem himself. We have to read the book to figure out how he redeems himself. Cause it does the same thing. I, sh I should have put that picture in there. Cause I did, I, I, we went back to Handy's and, um, you know, where I left her in that exact spot, I had a ring for her and I got down on my hands and knees. And I, and I asked for, 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 for forgiveness. I guys, you don't, I was in deep shit <laughs> after I left her. I mean, for a week, she didn't talk to me at all. <laughs> and, um, she kept bringing it up and That's I, a long I had, drive to Albuquerque, right? Back from oh, city. brutal, man. <laughs> brutal. So, Nah, she's good now. So. Well, on that note, I better go uh, put the baby to sleep and kiss the wife and do all that stuff. But <laughs> I'm gonna Josh, do it. Now. Awesome talking to you. Such a such a great story. I'm looking forward to reading the book. So, thank you, guys. Thank you. I mean, thank you for reaching out to me. This is a a big deal. This is a wonderful platform, you know, for people to tell their stories. So I I'm very grateful for you guys. Yeah, thanks for taking the, you know an hour, hour and twenty minutes of your time and and short notice and joining us. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, please reach out. I'd love to climb with you guys. Take care. Take care. See ya.